film sucks Indie film sucks It's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast Yeah St. Louis from a basement on South Broadway, the Indie Film Sucks Podcast. Because indie film is, it's a terrible thing, really. Sucks today, sucks tomorrow, sucks always. Yes. <laughs> Sucked yesterday, too. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, hi, I'm Chris Grega, writer, director, uh, you know, whatever, 88mm Productions. Chris Mackey, <laughs> actor, producer, 88mm Productions, and we have a guest here, Grega, who's, who's, who's sitting Paul with us? Paul Hibbard. Paul Hibbard. How are you, Paul? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for Appreciate it. Hey, before we get into anything else, I'm going to ask you the infamous question that you've been waiting for. <laughs> What's your suck? Um, I think if I had to pick a suck, it would be trying to make film in a society where uh, content is more king than film is. And so a lot of times I'll meet people and they are just more driven by content, getting things out, um, filling up a resume, filling up a reel. And um, this causes, I think, uh, several issues. One, I think it causes the issue of um, their schedule. They're just insanely busy. Mm-hmm. Like I'll meet with people and they'll say, you know, um, you, you know, cast, crew, producers, anyone. And they'll say, I can't because I have like, you know, 10 films that I'm making in, in, in May. And I'm like, what, what are these movies? <laughs> I, like, I watch more movies than anyone I know. We're making one movie every three years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Barely. I heard that. these movies. Uh, but then also, I, I think a lot of times um, uh, when it comes to like, you know, creating content, that can include anything. It can include even like commercials. And it's hard to like get uh, people, I think, focused on this passion for film that I know that I have and other filmmakers have. But on the plus side is when you get an actor or you get a, a crew member, somebody who is driven by film, um, then it becomes like this like magical experience where you're, you're making it and you both love what you're doing. Yeah, I think that would be my suck is trying to make films in a, in a content creation world. <laughs> No, and that and when you do get that magic, it comes across in your in your project, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, I I, I definitely I, I I agree with that. Yeah, whenever I make a film, having you know people on there who actually like have the passion for film, to me, like it really means a lot because there are times where um, I'll be working as a director and I'm like directing someone or um, uh, talking to a crew member, and sometimes I'll get like kind of like. I'll get like tied up in what I'm trying to do. I'm not saying the right words. I'm not 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 directing them correctly, and then I'll just be like, "Hey, you remember this movie where this guy did this? This director did this, and he got this reaction. That's what I'm trying to do here." And then like, if they know film and they love film, they're like, "Okay, we're gonna help you get that." And a lot of times, I think when when you work with people who are just there to be on sets or there to create content, it's a it's a different language when you're um, trying to make something. I think with passion. Well, I've, I've talked about something along those lines uh, before. So I come from a school, and Mackie comes from a school, where when you start out making movies, mm-hmm. you're doing it for free, right? Mm-hmm. No one's getting paid. You're just making movies because you love making movies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, granted, the idea is, you know, eventually everyone is making money, and this is your, this is your full-time job, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because... 
let's let's make no mistake. It's called show business for a reason because mm-hmm. it, it's it's a business. Even at our low bargain basement, shitty, terrible, have no resources <laughs> level, it's still a business. But I, I've run into people. I've run into some controversy with people who who have said like, "Oh, if everyone's not getting paid from the very first time you make a movie, then you're ripping people off. You're yeah. taking advantage of people." I'm like, mm-hmm. I, "No, mm-hmm. I I don't think so." Now, I'm I'm talking about when you very first start out, the first time you pick up a camcorder and you and your buddies said, "Hey, let's make a movie about let's make a an Indiana Jones kind of movie." Is everyone supposed to be getting paid for that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, because you're figuring out what the hell you're doing. Uh-huh. And. <clears throat> The reason we came up with indie film sucks is it's it's kind of like the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. right? You remember the old uh, <laughs> the motto of the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. the toughest job you'll ever love, yeah, <laughs> because it really sucks in almost every aspect of making movies, yeah, like. The, the pre-production aspects of that suck. Production aspects of that suck. Post-production <laughs> sucks, and then trying to sell your 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 film really sucks. Really sucks, yeah. So you have to really love what you're doing mm-hmm. in order to get through all that suck, mm-hmm. which is what I, I say a lot of times. Like ninety-five percent of filmmaking is utter dog shit. Yeah, but that other five percent is so awesome that it makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can tell because um, I, I deal with a lot of bullshit here, and I can tell <laughs> um, when I really love a project because there's been other projects I haven't made anything in in three years, okay. and, and um, besides, you know, when I directed some visitors, which was, um, the spring of uh, 2021 and uh, there's other things that I would create and um, scripts I'd write things I get in pre-production and then I would deal with the bullshit and I'd be like I don't care about this film enough to deal with this so I usually know if I really am sold on something if I tread through the bullshit to get it made yeah yeah because you're you're not going to have passion for you know, as you've said, the ubiquitous Dobbs commercial. Yeah. Right? That's It's just a gig. Yeah. It's just a job. Yeah. Just like I shoot legal video. I'm not passionate about legal video. It's a job, man. It, and, and, you know, what I was saying, you know, things about, like, you know, content is w- things that I've dealt with are, are people will tell you how much they get paid making the Dobbs commercials. Or they'll tell you how much they get paid on their day jobs and either, you know, how much of a cut they're taking to do this. And I always want to be like... Is that what she wanted to do? Like right. when you were in a film school and you watched Touch of Evil that first time, you saw that opening 20-minute shot where you're like, I can't wait to sell tire commercials. Like somewhere inside there has to be a part of you that still loves film. And like I, I feel that, you know, in kind of like this sort of a gig society that we live in where everybody wants to get paid for everything and it pay for their time, there has to be like – that love that you have for film still that you will do certain projects for either, you know, a reduced pay or something for free because it hits on what you love. You know, it might not be my project. Like you might, you might read mine and say, Oh, you know, this is, I, I want to get paid for the Dobbs commercial the same rate I get this, but there has to be something there that you love that connects you to what you're, what you were doing. And on times where, um, I've had some people who give me like re- reduced, Wait, uh, uh, pay, um, you know, reduce rates, yeah, reduce yeah. rates. What they will, uh, do is sometimes point it out often, but like the point out how, how much less I'm, I, I'm paying. Some of them try to take creative control of things, and they're just like, they're like, hey, you know, I, I could be making 600 a day doing this, or then do that, yeah, do that. Right. <laughs> then don't yeah. take the gig. Yeah. I mean, I told you what the gig was up front, don't take it if, if yeah. you don't want to do it. So, I don't know, that's just some of the nightmares. I, I, I don't mean to like, um, necessarily say it as a systematic thing to everybody in the city because there are some great people in the city too but that is um 
a hurdle that I have I have hit. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's it's being honest, and that's what this show's about. Yeah. It's just being honest, and it happens. Mm-hmm. And we all deal with it, and we've all dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Do you do this full time? I do not. Um, well, I, I do freelance uh, work and I'll do editing jobs uh, here and there. Okay, but, so um, you're working in the industry, yeah, quotation marks, yeah, right? Yeah, quotation marks, yeah. Um, I actually just uh, got into that recently. I worked, and this is something I, I like to point out to people whenever they tell me if I'm lowballing them with, with, with rates. For 15 years, uh, up until about a year ago, for 15 years, I worked for the city of St. Louis, and I worked 911. And so oh. I would, um, my, my whole film career, I, I, I would do films at night and do dispatch, nine, mm-hmm. dispatch, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, noble. That's noble. Yeah, that's, that's stuffed out now, seriously. And I would talk to people who have died. You know, I've talked to several people on the phone who've died, and it's a very hard and it's a very stressful job. And people would. Um, Oftentimes call me a hero because I think sometimes in America they call you a hero so they don't have to pay you much. Uh, so so they, 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 they wow. were, the, sub, the supplemental pay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and my favorite thing is when people call me a hero and th- but then I uh, offer somebody to come shoot a movie and I'll give I'll offer them twice what I make twice what I make a day being a hero and they call that insulting. <laughs> that is my favorite. Wow. That's that, my favorite. Wow. Uh, you love having that in your back pocket, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I love pointing out. Um, so, uh, but I quit that about a year ago and started getting into freelance work and, you know, it's going. Okay, so you're taking your passion, which you always wanted to mm-hmm. do. You paid the bills. Yeah. Right, 911. Yeah. At least you got into something I think is noble anyway. Yeah, it is, um, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, hero, whatever, however you guys want to describe it, I think there's a lot of heroes in this, military, mm-hmm. policemen, yeah, yeah, firefighters, sure. in it all stems to nine one one, right? Somebody's got to dispatch them and mm-hmm. get them there. How'd you get started in it, though? I looked at your IMDb video. I looked at all oh, that yeah, stuff, yeah. and I saw you had a limited kind of number of things on there. So how long have you been doing it? Talk about your early projects. And I know you got a new project maybe you want to talk about. Sure, yeah. Okay. So I, I've been making movies for about 30 years. Um, you know, it all started... Thir- wait, 30? Yeah. Our, our, what are you, like 37? <laughs> you look young. That's... About 25 years. Okay, I'll okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I actually turned 45 in two weeks. So for about... Tw- for about uh... Damn, happy birthday. <laughs> That's Thanks. what I have to say, man. It looks so good. For about 25 years, I've been off and on doing some sort of, like, filmmaking. Um, I started when I was a teenager. Okay. More than that, it was just, like, my love for film. I, I knew I really loved film when I was a, a kid, and I didn't know how... It was going to, um, to to come to fruition, and it kind of came out in sort of like a, a shotgun approach. When I was a teenager, I was making stupid little uh, videos, but I was also writing like film reviews. When I, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be probably Roger Ebert more than anyone else, oh. and, and I was like reading his reviews and I was writing um, criticism. And when I got into my twenties, I kind of j- just did. Both. I, I pursued the filmmaking route, but I was also pursuing the film criticism route. And um, I made my first movie when I was... My first film that I would think you would actually call a film and not just screwing around as a teenager. We never put it out, um, but we did play it locally <laughs> at, at a couple places. And that was this stupid horror film called... It was called Deranged Basement Thing. And I just wanted to make this like, really dumb... <laughs> I, w- I wanted to make a really dumb horror movie with stupid characters. Like characters that you would see in like a Coen Brothers movie. Okay. 
who were in a horror movie, but they were too stupid to realize what was happening. So they went to this like haunted house where there was this thing in the basement called the deranged basement thing that was killing them. And as they were dying, they just could not put it together what was happening. They were so stupid. They were having the dumbest, most banal conversations. And one by one, they all just died and none of them realized what was going on. But the audience realized because they saw it in the background. Um, so I, I made uh, that. I made a couple other uh, horror movies. Um in my twenties. And then in my late twenties, it's the first film that I actually sent out to like festivals that played at a, a few festivals. It was the first one that played here at the showcase in St. Louis. And that was called the proposal. I think I remember that. What year was that? That was 2010. I think, I think it was 2010. I might've had something in the festival that year. I don't remember, but yeah, that, uh, it was, uh, it was, I'll just say what it is. I mean, it, it was a movie where a woman gives a, someone a blowjob. <laughs> I don't know if that was anything. It was this movie that, like, um, I, I, I was a big fan. This is probably, I'm on the verge of sounding kind of pretentious about this, but uh, I was a big Boonwell fan when I was younger. Okay. And Boonwell used to do these movies that I loved where he would show, like, heightened <clears throat> versions of bad situations so he would show like heightened versions of like um rich people uh taking advantage of others and he would show heightened versions of um bad relationships and it would just be so um just exaggerated so so like intentionally over the top but it was done in this like knowing way and i remember I was watching his movies in my 20s and just really like loving how somebody could bend the the versions of reality and make films where it was like a movie that was maybe 70% reality, 30% satire and how it was a movie that it wasn't like full Dr. Strange love, but it also wasn't full, just a uh, um, drama. And I made a movie called the proposal where um, a guy was um, proposing to a woman. And while he proposed, she started telling him about all of the affairs that she's had and um he won't listen he keeps making excuses it was supposed to be this whole this whole thing about how people just ignore red flags before they get married and uh and then within this ignoring red flags she literally sits the waiter down and gives a blowjob in front and he still like immediately forgives her <laughs> and it, it was just, it was the first movie i was just like Oh, I feel like I kind of nailed it with this one. And uh, and that one, we sent it off to film festivals, and that was the first time that it played here at the Showcase, and it nice. was the first one that... Um, the short? It was a short, oh, short. Yeah, okay. about 15 minutes long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it was the first, they played at a few other festivals around the um, around the country. Then after that... Uh, I, did oh, yeah, that, did that validate anything for you from coming out of that? And then, okay, so you had this other one, right, that you were like, eh, I'm not showing anybody. And then all of a sudden you did this. Yeah. Did that validate anything for you or give you kind of some sense of, I kind of know what I'm doing here and, and yeah. the audience got it or... Yeah, no, it, it did. It also validated because I'm pretty hard on myself and um, it was the one that I was like... Oh, it came out looking like what was in my head. Even like those things, like you know, the stupid drain basement thing. I was so young when I was doing that stuff. When it came out, I was like, oh, this isn't really that funny um, because it was so much funnier in my head. And why isn't that funny? And uh, so when I did the proposal, I was like, oh, wow, this actually looks like how it looks like in my head. You know, th that's always been like a big discussion that I've had. I was like, you know, when you with bad directors, do bad directors just have bad visions? Like, do they just not understand what a good movie is? Or do they have a good vision? And they can't get it out correctly. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that was always like a, a 
a question that I had was also a question I had to myself. I was like, I was like, are these visions good or am I just having problems getting it out? And that it's, was the one that came out and I was happy with. It's not always easy to make that, uh, that transition yeah. right, from your head to the page mm -hmm. and then to the screen. Yeah. Right. Sometimes something gets lost between what you're thinking and the page. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes something gets lost between the page and the screen. Yeah. So I, I would say out of all the stuff I've done, which it's it's a fair amount of movies, feature shorts and whatever, maybe half of the things, I'm not saying things are bad, but maybe half the films I've made have actually, like, oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times it's been, eh, that's close. Like, eh, it's not really close at all. But like our last film, Red Night at Skies, that actually, everything that I visualized came out how I pictured it. And that's pretty cool when that happens. Yeah, it is cool. Have you ever had anything that doesn't come out but actually comes out better because through a happenstance or someone nailing it, doing something else and running with it? Yeah, probably uh, uh, the film we did before that, 35 Days. Okay. Yeah, no, I, if you're talking about Travis's performance and some of the performances in there... I don't know. That I I thought. I mean, I don't. I wasn't in your head. True. But I I, I saw how that one was shot because I was on set a few days and how quick that had to happen. Yeah, it and, did. And how magical that ended up. So anyone who's ever worked in film, or any of the creative arts, would really understand where this movie was coming from. And it's it's still probably my favorite film. That's it's, awesome. Sounds that's most personal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. And getting back to what you were saying yeah, about yeah. the the. The script versus you know and did it validate you yeah. i always look at it as an evolutionary process yeah most of us write direct right <laughs> all of our own stuff mm -hmm. but imagine you know you take a script from somebody else to a director mm -hmm. who has to answer to producers yeah who has to portray it to the actor who has to put it on the film in mm -hmm. order to get it to the editor everybody's got their so it's it's almost a, a miracle mm -hmm. that it does come out mm -hmm. uh with something special because yeah. of all the hands that have to touch it if you look at all these projects there's some really good movies out there in the world mm -hmm. that you got to think about that evolutionary process of who held it together and how did they get that from somebody right yeah and, and it's neat when somebody like you says that's the first time <laughs> that actually that i it. went eh, and it got you to the next one right i'm yeah. sure it did yeah it did the way that films oftentimes get to where you want them to be is finding people who care about it as much as you do but also people who have the time to like really like invest in and in, 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 i'll talk to a lot of actors and i swear it's like a brag like they're bragging about how many movies they got lined up but when you watch a movie at the theater sometimes those actors like that film is all they did for three months including preparation and everything so mm -hmm. they have that like you know and, and they have luxuries like they're obviously paid a lot more and and they can afford to to necessarily do it necessarily do it but i think of that too about how like preparation and everybody being equally prepared is how that vision comes true but sometimes back to this content world it's just like well all i have is like these three days and you'll get me no rehearsals and it's just like okay well this is that's you're already starting you know in last place by by just you know giving that so right and you're putting undue pressure on everybody else in the cast yeah the director and stuff and that's on this film specifically we said as producers, mm -hmm. uh, we got to take the most pressure off of Chris Grega because for far too long has he been wearing... For, for Red Knight. For Red Knight, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, that we had to take the pressure off of him because for far too long he's been wearing too many hats mm. and having to be pulled in different directions. Yeah. And I thought it made a difference. It did. I'm sure you understand that, having to be the <laughs> writer, director, editor. Editor, yeah. Uh, huh? Head cook and bottle washer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, grip, AC, whatever. Everything, it, yeah. It, you just don't give yourself all the credits. Oh, yeah. I've made up fake names for... Uh, 
for for stuff where I had to do a bunch of stuff because I've seen some filmmakers where they have written by, directed by, produced by, <laughs> edited by, like craft services, but like, dude, don't. Yeah, that doesn't look cool. Or they have your <laughs> same say. last name as it's your brother, your sister, your <laughs> uncle. Your yeah, mom, you know everybody else in it. There's there's one short I wanted to put like cast this, you know, uh, DP this, and then I was put everything else Paul Hibbert. Like the, the, yeah, the credit was the credit was actually going to say everything else Paul Hibbert. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, so the proposal gives you credibility, yeah. right? In your own mind, I guess. It, is, it, is, it did. It definitely in my own mind, and it was just you know this cool feeling about getting into other festivals. Though also what it kind of did though is it sort of satiated me to an extent where I was like, I don't really know what to do now. And, and I feel like I, I did a pretty good job in that. And so what I ended up doing after that was getting into stage. So oh. I, start, I started directing plays instead. I, I've, I've seen a lot of plays in my life, but my favorite thing when I was younger was to read uh, stage productions. I'd read a lot of like Sam Shepard and a lot of like David Mamet stuff, and I would love, oh, I love the way that they would use language. And sometimes if you lo- use that much um, dialogue in film, it can be criticized as you're saying too much, you're telling and not showing, but on stage, you can really get into that rhythmic back and forth, and, and I love that. So there was a, a couple years, I would say from about 2000, I, I was following the um, proposal during the festival run, which was about 2011, and from about 2012 then to 2014, I was doing stage work, uh, directing stage, but then I was also keeping with my love of film through the film criticism side. So I was uh, I, I was pretty much just you know I didn't get paid, but but my work was a full-time film critic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you talk about like you talk about uh, indie filmmaking being a, a dying industry. <laughs> wait, wait, film criticism's even worse. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but so that was that was how I did that. I I, I did a, a, a stage production in 2014 called Josh and Sean. It was um, about this married couple and an affair happened. And they were accusing each other of, uh, um, well, she cheated um, through her point of view. Uh, he essentially forced her to through his point of view. She was a harlot and, you know, she did this. And I showed it three different ways. I throw it, I showed it through everybody's perspective, including the person who um, she had the affair with came on stage through their imagination and, and showed it his way too. And that cool. was really influenced by, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, uh, Carrie Kurosawa's Rashomon, where they showed like a murder through mm-hmm. three yep. different ways. Mm-hmm. So I was so, I love Rashomon. It's one of my favorite movies. And I love that that way that he uses perspective. So I wrote it. I, I named the characters Josh and Sean. And I, you know, it's literally called Josh and Sean because I wanted to sound like Rashomon. And I, I, I did this in. <laughs> put that together. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was the most fun I have ever had doing anything <laughs> to, to the point where it was like, I was like, I could do this forever. But what brought me back to film is just my love of film. It's so much. I, I know you said you, you've done stage, so you yeah. might've had different experience, but my experience doing stage was so much less bullshit. And it oh, was, no, it is. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> so, no, it, it absolutely is. you got to set time. you got mm-hmm. it right. Everybody knows their stuff, and you get automatic feedback. Yeah. And it just seems like everybody is there. Mm-hmm. It seems like you build that family quicker just because of everybody. I don't know. It's a yeah. different boat. Well, we talked about yeah, this. Yeah, we talked about this. <laughs> what, what I've said, because I've got a lot of theater friends, and I give them shit. I say, well, 
when I want to have fun, I'll do a play because play is fun. <laughs> when I want to work, I'll make a film. Yeah. Because that's what I've always said. Wow, with the play, all you have to worry about is one medium wide shot and that's it. Yep, yep. <laughs> and that's all you got to do. Well, it only happens once, but nobody cares. The audience doesn't give a shit if you drop a line. No one's going to notice. No one's going to care. <laughs> I, I try not to respond to him when he speaks like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got an ally here, so. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, I mean, like, my love of film is is intense, and it always brings me back, but my memories of stage are just incredible. There's, there's, there's no yeah. other rush like it. Yeah. It's, it's almost like going to the premiere yeah. and finally seeing it. Mm-hmm. Every single night you do a performance, yes. and it's it, and I and I acted in the play too. And oh, it, really? it was just everything, oh, and it was uh, it was just a feeling that I I, I just can't recreate when i'm making a film when i'm actually there and people are saying the lines and the in the action and the drama is happening happening it's always just stress it's always just stress <laughs> about like losing time and losing well, you got the guy clicking yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you just, but man when when it's happening on stage it's just electrifying no it is and and uh, i've done some stage and you know i've directed a little and acted very little and and i i enjoy it but film is where my my heart yes yeah mine too and apparently that's where you went back to because there's no money in stage there is absolutely no money no money money in in film there's no money in film (laughs) like there's no money all the money's going one way but you know what you can't do with stage is it it takes a lot of trucks and a lot of production to move that whole product Mm -hmm. once you get something on film Mm -hmm. all i gotta do is make a phone call get on the internet and i can sell a lot of it yeah that's true And, and you know there's something about like you know in stage when it's over it's over so exciting but it's over but then you have something like um you know some of my films that have had two-year um film film festival runs that is just like exciting you're just reliving it constantly constantly and uh so but so i i went back to film because uh it's a little bit of a sad story but i went back to film because my older brother passed away and um I wanted to do something to honor him, and I wanted to do something sweet. And at that point, and I've gone back to it now, where I don't really do sweet um, stuff. I, I I tend to do um, like horror films that are maybe a little bit more violent, or dramas that are a little more cynical. Uh, but I, I was like, I want to do something sweet, and I decided to do something animation too. Oh. And so I did an animation called Tuck, and it's about a um, about a kid who is at a school, and this little girl who just lost his, her mother. Uh, comes and and uh, there's some mystic parts. He has these like magic pills that can make him look. Um, he can ma- he can he can make some look like how he wants the other people to see him. He's able to. So it, it was this uh, short film. It's online now. And that one I played at a few festivals, and everyone was really really nice about it. I mean, I think it's I think it's good, and I think their response was that was good. But the fact that they knew the backstory of him, I was going to criticize that. Yeah. But but regardless, uh, that kind of got me back into it. And I was like, oh, I want to do a feature. So then I did my feature I was uh, telling you guys about before we started rolling. Yes. <laughs> it's Can't called wait. Tuesday Night and Wednesday Morning. And it's something that... It, it was a feature, but it basically had the days of a short. It was very dialogue heavy. It was very much like 
the same uh, setups and the same locations that you would have a sh as a short. They would just we, we just expanded to like this huge dialogue. So sometimes I have like a little bit of like issues calling it a feature because even though technically the runtime is over 70 minutes barely and that makes it a feature, mm, yeah. it just felt like we were making a short. And I acted in it too and I was taking my stage experience and I wanted to act in it. And acting and directing a film is so stressful and I was so pulled thin in it uh, on it. It played um, at a few festivals. It played here. It played at the showcase. The response was good, but again, it's a local screening. Um, it played at some other festivals. Um, but it's a film that I look back at now, and I feel like I was pulled a little bit thin on it. And I feel like um, it was a learning experience back in the film that I can't try to do. To, I, I think maybe my head was like getting a little bit big at that point because I'd had two successful shorts in the last few years and I did a stage production that was just magnetic. And I was like, I think I can do anything. And, and then I did this uh, feature and I was like, you know, I'm happy with it, but I'm also going to learn some things from this too. And so I moved forward from that. I did, um, a couple other shorts. I did uh, one. It's a political like satire. Not to get like. Is that the Trump? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that. that one went to so many festivals. I bet just, we yeah. were just screwing around. We just thought it was funny. Yeah. All we did, we thought it was funny that the president was saying witch hunt a lot. And um, and I love uh, Blair Witch Project. I got it. Uh, it's up here, but I got the Blair Witch symbol uh, tattoo. Blair Trump. Was it called Blair? The Blair Trump Project. So yeah. that was I think Blair Witch put Trump yeah. there. We just thought it was funny <laughs> that somebody was was saying witch hunt. We're like we're gonna make a little satire on this. We did that in four hours, and it went to so many festivals. Like, That's awesome. I could not believe how many festivals it went to. Like, it was just like a joke. It was going to so many. How long? How long was it? Uh, seven minutes long. Yeah. It yeah. was super short. And it played, like, every single time a festival picked it, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, do you not have other movies being sent to you? <laughs> um, but it, it kept going. And that's when it played at, at the time, it was it was what I considered, like, the, the most um, exciting part of uh, my career is it played in 2019 at the Salem. And this was at the very end of its run, so it ran through all through 2017, 2018. And in 2019, it played in Salem, Massachusetts, and it played at the uh, 20-year anniversary of the Blair Witch Project. So what they did is they took oh, Blair Witch wow. Project and they did uh, Blair uh, Trump Project together, and they played it back and forth, and the whole cast to the Blair Witch Project was there. And then uh, and afterwards I became like, I'm like Facebook friends with Heather Downhue now. And uh, so, nice. so you went up there for that one? Yeah, of so course. That, yeah. that was awesome. Uh, then I did a, uh, a short in uh, 2018 called A Really Nice Guy, which uh, I think I, I can call it a success. I got a, it, it made it a little bit too long. That was like my uh, lesson to try to get run times down. <laughs> and that was like 25 minutes for a short. That played at a, um, some pretty good festivals too. Um, I did one in 2020 uh, uh, called Happiness. That was just a 15-minute dialogue piece. I only sent that to a few festivals. I was just like, this is just um, for fun. And then in 2021 is when I did what is essentially my biggest one now at this point. And it's a movie called Some Visitors. And that was the one that we can get into the nightmare of making that. But just to give you <laughs> a summary of it, we, we shot it in 2021. And that one did a great festival run. It was the first festival run where I was getting people interested in, in making a feature with me, trying to like connect me to financers, which 
you know, a lot of a lot of that talk kind of comes and goes. Right. But but it, it was the one that like it was the short that really like felt like it was getting it's twenty almost thirty minutes long, but it was the short that really felt like it was getting traction. And, and is that the first time you worked with Jackie? Is that how you met mm-hmm. that whole crew there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the first time I worked with Jackie. The cool thing about it was um, the rest of the people who were the killers in it. Like so, the main intruder. This guy named Clayton, he has done, he did five movies with me at that point, including okay. Blair Trump, and he did um, really nice guy. And he, and what was cool is like a lot of the intruders were like my people, but then we brought Jackie into that. So it was kind of like this cool like atmosphere where like this new actor I never worked with was not only working with me, a new director, but it was like my people were tormenting her. Mm. <laughs> and that was like that was like part of the experience. But I loved working with Jackie. She's outstanding, and, and she's the lead in my new film too. So that was... Uh, 2021 and i took a few years off partially because it was so stressful making some visitors uh partially because some visitors had such a a festival run it was almost like full-time work just like going out to festivals and and sending it off and and doing pieces for festivals and um partially because i just hadn't found anything that i was really passionate about so i was like before you get into your next project which we can launch into here because i know you got another feature that you Mm -hmm. you know kind of announced and you just said jackie was in it which is awesome we had jackie in red night of skies Mm -hmm. and yeah she's great um so we always talk about how you 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 kind of grinded your teeth you you paid your dues Mm -hmm. did you feel that as you were coming up like you had to do these other shorts to make the mistakes in order to make the next project or have the confidence to make it yeah i I think i did um through a couple uh, a couple ways one for myself i needed to prove to myself that i could do these things and i needed to i think build the confident the confidence to do films like some visitors, which is kind of an, an audacious swing, and that would be like the kind of movie that I would not make when I was younger without paying those dues. And then also, like, I needed confidence on set. Like, I remember when, when I first started, I was just like so scared to tell people what to do on a set, I was okay. so scared to like direct people. And it was just, it was like this feeling that, like, I, you know, I've never been on set. A lot of times when you work with people, they have been on so many. Um, I remember <laughs> one of my first films. This was like my um, my experience that with some St. Louis crew that they're more into like the formalities of set set procedures in life than they are about making good films. <laughs> I remember. As long as we follow the rules on set. <laughs> yeah, as long as they follow the rules. But also like when they do like show off uh, things that they've seen on like bigger sets. I, I always talk about, I always talk about St. Louis and like the 20, uh, the aughts to the 2010s, early 2010s were people who went to Los Angeles and got coffee for people and then came back and told us we were, they were all from Los Angeles and they know how sets work. Is, um, is that what the phrase comes? I had a cup of coffee? That's what that, that probably is. <laughs> But I remember this one guy uh, is when we were doing one of those first shorts, one of those first horror shorts, and we had a, a, a close up insert shot of a uh, of a real knife, and I pulled the knife out for just to hand it to somebody so we can get the shot. And when I pulled it out, this guy who I guess has been on a lot of sets, he wanted to show off. He'd been on sets. He screams at the top of his voice. He goes, "Live knife on set!" <laughs> he screams it to the point where it was like incredibly dangerous because it like almost startled me i wasn't gonna stab anybody until you said that i was like why do you do that he goes that's what you do and i was like there's three of us here man there's three of us we're all right here just (laughs) just tell us uh but like between like just being nervous about me and not being on sets and i think a lot of set bullies um with their formalities it took me a while to like realize that you 
need to build up the confidence, but it also took me like a real uh, a while to like realize that the director is supposed to be the person on set who doesn't have the most experience. Like a lot of these other people, they go from film to film and a lot of like, you know, DPs or, you know, sound, you know, boom operators, they're working on 15 um, films a year and you're a director, what do you do, do like one a year if you're lucky? <laughs> you usually do one every couple of years. Every time I step back on, I'm like, how does this work? <laughs> look, well, let me, let me yeah, ask you this, Paul. Uh, you don't have a film background, do you? You didn't go to film school. No, I did not, no. No, uh, I, I didn't either. Yeah, but I, either. I, I, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I and didn't. you didn't either. I didn't either. He went in the military. No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I found. I, I don't know if, if the director has the least amount of experience of everyone on set, but here's here's what I found a long time ago, mm -hmm. right? If you want to be a film director, direct films, Yeah. right? There, There is no path where you no. start out as a PA, then you become a grip, then you become mm -hmm. uh, a first AC. That's great. If that's what you want to do, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. If you want to work in G&E on, on big shows, cool. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's not going to make you a film director. Yeah. If you want to be a film director, you have to direct films. Mm -hmm. And I've I've met the uh, the set bullies yeah. uh, throughout my, my time in doing this. And those are people, you know, that's great. If, if all they want to do is work as a grip, there's nothing wrong with that. You can make a good living working as a grip. Mm -hmm. But... You're not going to be a film director yeah. by doing that. That That is not the path to that. There's only one path to being a director, and that is directing. Yeah. If you ever had those guys who are like, they might not necessarily say it, but you can just tell from their demeanor and their attitude that they think they could direct this better. Yes. <laughs> I, I get that all the time. Yes. I, I've met that, and a lot of DPs suffer from that director envy uh, mm -hmm. syndrome, I, I guess I like to call it. Well, it takes collaboration. It, it does. And everybody has to know their lane. Yeah. Right? And there's always going to be one person whose vision it is. Mm -hmm. It's either the money man. Yeah. Because you don't control that. Yeah. Right? Or it's going to be the director. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But it takes a great DP that can work with a director, a great first AD that can work with, right? And it takes everybody on that set. And I mm -hmm. think the courage of, good. Well, the, the best cinematographers are the cinematographers who know that they're cinematographers and that's what they want to do. Mm -hmm. The worst cinematographers are the ones who think they should be the director. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, actually, what we should do, that's not your fucking job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your job is to light it and shoot it. My job is to make the action happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, stay in your lane. No, I can't agree with you more on yeah. that, but I think it's 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 encouraging to see, like when you say director should direct that you did it mm -hmm. yeah that you said i want to do this and come hell or high water i'm making this piece of crap because <laughs> right by yourself a mission they yeah, were yeah. not good mm -hmm. we got some crap i've never made a film i've only acted in them and mm -hmm. produced them right i've Consider never yourself lucky right i've never sat there but I, I i see the torment now and i see the torment and i see where i do have a professional and i always go back to kathleen our, our wardrobe person she was basically like hey chris I'm the professional here. I, I know my job. You just, and she's a good friend. It just, you just have to know your job, mm -hmm. right? I know my job. And if, when you got good people like that, you can just direct. Yeah. And you can just do that because they are on many sets, mm -hmm. but you have the confidence that they know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And you just set it and forget it. It, it happens. Like I've had it with DPs and they'll, they'll try to like take things over and I'll say to them, I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, 
dude, <laughs> this is my film, and I got the vision. And then they'll get into this whole thing where it's like, where people just try to like break down the auteur theory, and they're just like, oh, you know, you're not into like collaboration on a film set. It's a hundred different people giving ideas. And um, he, I had one guy who was like, uh, he was like, you know, that like collaboration is the spice of life. And I'm like, I don't think that's a saying. I think, wow. you're, I, think you're, I think you're mixing up other sayings. But I was like, I was like, there is an old saying that when a committee tries to create a horse, they create a camel instead. And I was yeah. like, this is what I was like, in these sets that you're talking about, don't talk to me. Like, I don't know how this shit works. Like when I was younger, I didn't know how it worked. And even though I haven't been on as many sets as a lot of people, what I feel like I know, and this is from my criticism background, is film very well. And I listen to interviews with like famous filmmakers. And this is one thing that, that I've dealt with was with St. Louis film bullies. And this is what I say to like young filmmakers. I was like, they're gonna tell you this isn't how you do it. But I promise you, how you're doing it is probably closer to how they do it, how real filmmakers make movies. Like th this I had a uh, one person, I won't say who, but one person uh when I was doing I was doing a bunch of takes on a um film and th this was like l later on in my career where I knew shit and it wasn't at first where I would have like um kind of uh, backed off but he said to me he he was like dude this is your sixth take you're doing he's like we're the first five just test takes and I said Whoa. and I said to him I was like I was like look dude <laughs> I was like David Fincher does 90 takes and secondly I was on the sh I've been on the showcase jury before and I promise you a lot of those movies could use a lot more takes. <laughs> so, and, and uh, you know, you let it go after that. If you know, like, the film world outside of St. Louis, when people try to give you shit here, you can it's your, give it back to them. But isn't it your set? You're, if you want to take a thousand takes, don't work on the movie, yeah. right? You're trying to get something that you see. And I get it. There's time, effort, energy on everybody's part, especially an independent film. Yeah. But and there, there's a fine line between... Did we get it or not? Where you don't want to lose the crew. Yeah, yeah. But five takes? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> and this is it's this idea, I think, that you know, if people are doing it for reduced pay or they're for free. No, they're in it for pay. Yeah. You're in it for the art or yeah. trying to get it someplace, or you have to take it, or you owe an investor something. Mm -hmm. They're getting paid regardless of what it looks like at the end. Yeah, and that's I think the mindset of, oh, I could be making eight hundred on um Dobbs commercial, so why don't you hurry <laughs> up and get this? So. Well, must be a story behind this Dobbs commercial because it keeps coming. I go to Dobbs and I love Dobbs and it's fixed free forever. I, I could tell you that. Well, in, up, out, whatever. The hell. I just, I just think Dobbs is like a random local okay. business. So, so I'll, I'll step back a minute. I, for many years, I worked as a lab technician, uh -huh. and I used to say this all. And when I was making films, I used to say all the time, "This is my job. Film is my work. I don't want to be a grip. I don't want to be a grip on a tire commercial." Yeah. I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, that did not appeal to me. If I got to do some shit job I don't want to do to make my money, I'd rather just do lab work because it's easy mm -hmm. and not have the stress of, of working at the low end of commercial work. Mm -hmm. Yep. That, and that's why I think I did uh, dispatch for so long is because I didn't want to do commercial work. I, I, I had like this, this idea, this like, um, this purity for yeah. film that if, if I'm there, I want to make something, I want to make art, I want to make, you know, what other people are making. It, it's, I mean, I, that's why I never like moved to like Los Angeles or anything. Cause I was just like, I don't want to be on sets. I don't want to make movies. I, I hate being on sets. It's the worst thing in the My world. My name's Chris Mackey and I'm sitting here talking to two directors. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make that very clear I, here. <laughs> well, that's what I've often said no. is I love being on a film set 
if it's my set. Oh, yeah. I hate being on a film set if it's someone else's yeah. because it's like, fuck, I should be up there doing that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like if you're in a band and you go see a band and you're like, and it's like I should be on stage. Right? Stage, stage actors sit out in the audience, and they're just like, I yeah. know, I know it, man. You see that spin? He's got ditches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, he's just rocking but, it. But, but it's yeah. like when I, whenever I am on someone else's set, I know my role. I don't come in. Oh, I've done this. I've done that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm here to do whatever. What do you need me to do? Yeah. Exactly. That's, That's what a, you do. And, and there are people like that, and, and those people I get along with. Stanzi is very much like that. Stanzi yeah. is an incredibly accomplished filmmaker. I bet you. And and you know, I I, I know him, um, but not from being on set. But uh, Jackie's the same way. Like no, Jackie, she fan. comes prepared to act. Yeah. yeah, right. And she brings her stuff, and she's ready to go, and she's nope. ready to take direction, and she's ready to perform for you to make your movie as best as it can. Yeah, no yeah. ego, no bullshit, mm-hmm. just there to work. Right, and, you know. And she knows film, and that helps too. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. you can draw from that. But taking a step back, there is. We all have to agree. There is a time for collaboration. Yeah. Yes. In the, in the pre meetings, in the right, and you have meetings with us all with your uh, DP going over stuff, shot list. There is time for that. Mm-hmm. Not at the time when you're shooting. Yeah. No. Right. So let's not say there's not. We don't collaborate on film sets. We well, do. Here's here's yeah. what I say. I don't know if, if you think the same way. I say, look, we do it my way first. Once that's done. Open up the floor to suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'll do that too. And there are like, it's not collaboration that I was necessarily trying to shit on. It's more creative control that they're calling collaboration. Okay. It, it, it's it's Very more fair. like, Very it's fair. more like, because, uh, you know, I mean, there are so many things that like a, a DP will do, and I'll be like, dude, just do it. I don't, you do whatever you want, whatever you think about this. There's so many times when, uh, you know, sometimes in my films, I'll have like an editor do it with me and I'll be watching it and I'll be like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to leave the room and you do, you do it. And let me come back and see what you did. And so there are times where I will uh, give it up for that. I think what I'm more speaking to is a lot of people use the term collaboration as an abusive way of trying to hijack a film and make it their own film. And, uh, and, uh, and, I mean, and sometimes I it's it. the, the most mistimed places Yeah, in the middle of a scene, in mm-hmm. the middle of a shot, in the middle of something else where now they're going to go, oh, by the way, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or now I'm going to interject. Yeah. 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 No, I would agree with you 100%. Yeah. So no, it's frustrating. That's cool. Um, but yeah, no, um, some of this just was a nightmare, but the festival run was incredible. I loved it so much. It was so hard to make here in St. Louis. You, you've seen it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, did you, did you watch I have it? not. I, I'm just going to tell you what happens. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I wrote this script, and it, it's essentially. Um, it's you know it's been out so everybody's had time to see it. It's about a woman who's home alone. She just lost a baby, and um, her her child recently died. And there's a knock on the door, and it's these intruders trying to get in. The radio has made it clear that this is a place with intruders have been hitting. Home invasions have been hitting recently. It's this situation where they're tormenting her, and I'm wanting the viewers to really feel for her really want her to fight back because they're using language that feels sort of like maybe like gaslighting like this one part where clayton the the main villain he's like after he's clearly fucking with her he's like dude i'm just messing with you it's not that big of a deal it's it's very just passive aggressive stuff like that stuff that hopefully gets under people's skin and then all the intruders get in there and it turns into this big brawl this big fight and she's tougher than they expect it's more of a fight um i'm hoping that the red herring as to why she's so tough is because she just lost a kid and she doesn't have anything to uh worry about and she just 
fucks these people up. She gets fucked up too. She gets stabbed in the eye. Um, oh. She gets her nose broken. It is pretty violent. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 like a special effect. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Practical effect. How yeah. did you do that? Logan, uh, I don't know if you know Logan yeah. Cole. Um, he did the effects on it and he did some really awesome stuff. When she gets stabbed in the eye, wanted like Fulci inspired uh, eye stabbing going on there. And then after this whole situation where hopefully, you know, if I pulled it off and, and from the response sounds like it did, um, where people are rooting for her and you feel like she's won, then we see these flashbacks that she is actually a home invader too. And she got there first and she not only killed the whole family, but she killed the baby. And, we, and the audience has been rooting for a baby killer the whole time. So it was this thing where I was like, I don't want to make a movie that's just storytelling. I want to make a movie that is viewer culpability. I, uh, I, I want to mess with people so much. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Carrie. And, and what I love about Carrie, I think a lot of people um, don't watch Carrie the same way I do. What, what I love about Carrie, it's this girl being bullied and you want her to fight back. You want her to kill everybody because you can tell she has these powers. And you want her to kill everybody until the prom happens. And then when the prom happens... Um, the people who have dropped the bucket on her, they're gone. John Travolta and Nancy Allen, who play those characters, they're gone. Everybody in that gym feels terrible for her. Everybody's like, you, you've gone too far. And, and I've watched Carrie so many times. I'm always like, when that scene happens, I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Everyone's <laughs> on your side. And then she does it. And I feel guilty because I wanted her to do it the whole movie. <laughs> and so I wanted to like recreate. Well, you wanted to get the people that aren't there anymore. Yeah, I want to get them. Which eventually she goes and kills them by crashing their car. But uh, but I, I really, like just that like feeling of like viewer like culpability I wanted. And So I've never seen it. Okay. Is there a part in the movie where the audience all knows at the exact same time and there's a there's an audible reaction yeah it's it's a scene after she's killed everybody she um she goes to a chair and her face is just fucked up Jack, Jackie's face is just really fucked up because her eye got stabbed and she um uh, takes a picture of her of the baby and she's like staring at the baby and then she looks up at a photo and there's a push in of a family in the photo and she's not in it and that moment, and people just go, "Yeah, you, but, you bastard! It, 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 <laughs> you it, got us!" It's like a slow reaction, though, because we start a little bit further and we push in, and people are like putting it together as it's getting closer. And I think, I, I think, even after you see it, some people haven't fully put it together until we go to the flashbacks, and then you see the the real mom is wearing what she's wearing. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I I guessed the ending before it got oh, to that you? point. You, you oh, did you? Oh, did you? Twist? Okay, yeah, I'm like. I bet Jackie's actually a bad person. You, you know, I, I feel like in St. Louis, I'm at a little disadvantage because everybody knows that she usually plays psychopaths. So. Well, I mean, I wasn't thinking Jackie. I was thinking of this character. Yeah. I, I, it's just kind of like, wait a minute. There's going to be some bullshit. This is too clean. This is too something. <laughs> yeah. Something else. is. There's got to be yeah. a twist here. Um, I was... Uh, super paranoid that that was obvious because when you watch the second time it's really obvious like she doesn't like like first of all the wedding ring in, in, in the uh, jersey doesn't fit her and then secondly it's things like she doesn't know like Clayton asks her where a sculpture in her house is from she doesn't know the answer it's all these like little things that um, the whole time watching I'm like this is obvious but honestly until talking to you I never had anybody say that they guessed it so I, I think it was the sculpture that tipped it off for me yeah. but I will say this. I've watched a lot of fucking movies. Yeah. <laughs> and 
and nothing pisses me off more when someone says, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna love the twist in this movie." Like you just fucking ruined it for me oh, because yeah. now I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. Right? Saying there's a twist is yeah. A no, and spoiler. then you're looking for it the yeah. entire time, yeah. and yeah. you're not even watching the movie. So you're just... I. For most normal people, they didn't see it coming, but I'm an asshole and I've just seen a lot of movies. <laughs> you so figure it out, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, wait a second. So Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's great. And I think that's the filmmaker sitting in the back, listening to the whispers, yeah, just seeing if it's yeah. spreading. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a thrill for you sitting back because you, you have such a good short. Was it short, right? Yeah, it's, it's about yeah. 30 minutes long. Uh, okay. Some festivals called it a feature and some called it a short. I don't, I don't hey, know. hey, Chris, what is the time on a feature? Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope. I hope you were not a judge in 2016. Yeah, I was not. Because uh, <laughs> we, we, we've, had, we've had this, this other filmmaker, Nathan Creamy, on the show a couple mm-hmm. times. Now. He's a really good dude. He's a great dude. Anyway, our, our feature, 35 Days, this was 2016. There were three features in the, uh, the showcase, and they, they had the awards set up. Movies twenty minutes and under. Movies twenty one minutes and up. Yeah, they, and, and Nathan's yeah. twenty one minute film uh, won, and I was like, man, I would not have given a shit if one of the other two features would have beaten us. But goddamn, it really sucks to lose out to a short. Yeah, and even if they set that, you know, Chris or whoever whoever sets that uh, uh, barrier, I think it should also be up to the judges to be like, because when I was a judge on there. If a movie was 25 minutes long, I would hold it against it. So as a judge, I wasn't saying that, like, you know, I looked at a 90-minute movie, I looked at a 25-minute movie, and I wasn't being like, oh, they're both called features. In my mind, I'm like, if you can keep it this Going up, for 90? 90, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, which has a lot more yeah. to it. <laughs> so, so that, I don't know who the judges were back then. But um, I've had a lot of... Did you ask Wyatt? Wyatt's usually a judge. He, uh, <laughs> no, 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 we just, we, it, it was fun because yeah. this podcast has allowed us to yeah. meet yeah. these people, yeah, yeah. find out how cool is hell, you know, this, I mean, he's just like, oh man, yeah, man, and he goes, by the way, it went on to do great things, you know, and I was just like, good, good, good success for you. Yeah. We're going to remaster ours and get yeah. it out there, now, buddy. St. Louis, St. Louis film critics have been no real fan of any of my stuff. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking of that because I mentioned earlier I was into criticism, but I've never, uh, I've never uh, um, reviewed okay. one of yours. That's okay. Actually, I actually haven't reviewed really any local films. Most of the stuff I review is just um, stuff that my site gives me. But uh, so you, you've had some rough experiences with film you can critics. Put a, you can put a review together for Red Night when you watch it in your basement. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want. Well, yeah. Yeah, I usually do that when it gets closer to the festival to promote it. I'll, I'll, I'll do like write-ups for everything. Yeah. Yeah, lo- locally, people have not been kind. I mean, we've won, like, you know, best costumes and audience choice. More than once. Which every director wants to take that home. Yeah. <laughs> we've done okay outside of St. Louis, but locally, yeah. Well, no, anyway. that's why we're excited. Red Knight's gotten a few festivals, yeah. so we're starting that run now. Mm-hmm. Getting outside, and that's what I was going to ask you. Has your whole experience really been, except for a couple of them that have gotten, like the Salem one, mm-hmm. have, have, has your whole experience been St. Louis? No. It, it, Cast, my, crew, oh, world... Uh, in terms of like um, my cast and crew, it, it's a mix. I use a lot of like uh, out of towners to do post work. Okay. Um, my composer's in LA, and he's he does some work. He, he she's actually done some pretty big films too. My FX people, they're out in LA too. So okay. I just do like a mix where I'll use like local people usually for um, uh, photography, and then I'll use um, uh, other people for post work. Um, but in terms of like the success of films. I mean, you're showing here, trying to get it out and blossom from here from yeah. your hub and spoke kind of. I've had so much more success 
outside of St. Louis, like legitimate, like fucking success in like St. Louis. I'm like, I can't win in this city. It's almost just like a joke now. Uh, where, where it doesn't even really matter. Anymore. We've talked about this. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's it, it's a pain in the ass, and and you know, it starts from like the beginning. So you know, some visitors when it comes to the the baby kill scene, that was a fucking nightmare trying to get that film made because. I'm not sure exactly what happened because it was kind of a hostile quitting. But Wait, is this is this the suck that somebody mentioned yeah, in your Facebook th- th- post? This is the, I knew we'd get to it. I would not have even asked. Look at you yeah. even went there. Well, because it kind of like leads to the next chapter of my life. But um, tell uh, as much or as little as you want. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll tell. I'll, I'll probably not name names. But um, it was a situation where. Um, I don't know what exactly happened on their end, but the first draft of my script I wrote, it doesn't end in a baby kill. It just ends – it ends with her murdering the family, which includes like kids who are like 9 or 10 years old. And you don't see it. You just go into a room and you realize everyone's dead. And I was like, ah, oh, this isn't good enough. Like this is this is just a fucking movie. I was just like, I need, I need something to make people feel sick. And so that's when I changed it to the baby situation. And I, I watched um, uh, Mother. You've seen Darren Aronofsky's uh, Mother before. Um, no. It was a movie where they where they kill a baby in it. And I remember how I felt watching it. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was also like, oh, you can do that? And I was like, well, if you can do it, I can do it too. <laughs> and, so, and so I changed that. Don't kill babies, kids. <laughs> yeah, don't do it in real life. I sent the second draft out to everybody and this was months and months beforehand and I don't know what happened I don't know if they just waited till last minute to read any of the drafts or if they just waited last minute to read the second draft but two days before we are shooting and when you're a, a director you are so just nervous and scared and yep. and I'm locked into this, this Airbnb that cost me like $2,500 and we have to shoot there and right before I got, I got a call two days beforehand saying that, you know, crew members, gaffers and grips are having problems with the baby kill situation. Wow. And I was like, I don't, okay. I was like, well, okay. Well, I don't know what to say. Can they fucking get over it? I don't know. And they were like, one of them was like, well, what happens if like somebody watches this and they actually go and do it? And I was like, what are you, fucking Tipper Gore? And I was like, what the, <laughs> shut up. And I was like, I was like, just, 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 I mean, like, whatever. And then, so I was like trying to appease them. And I was like, and I did that thing that uh, directors always do when, when they know that they're just pandering to someone's idea. And, you know, and I'm like, well, we'll do it your way. And then we'll do it my way. And we'll decide which one works together in post. <laughs> and it's obvious you're going to fucking yeah. do it my way. And they didn't fall for that. And they quit. They were like, if you don't take that out, we're going to quit. This is St. Louis. And, um, and, so I was like, well, I'm not going to take it out. And they quit on me. And it was just like two days of just mayhem trying to find someone else to fill the gap. And my DP was like, I can't do this without a gaffer. Oh, my gosh. And it, it was nuts. But um, Jackie came through and got us uh, some of Eric's people. And um, and uh, it, it, it turned out to be okay at the end. But it also made the set just a little more chaotic than it had to be. People working together for the first time. And it was just like this huge pain in the ass. And... And it just made, like, making the movie not as fun as it should have been. Right, you should have rolled into it, yeah. everybody kind of on the same page, and yeah. you ended up, right, having... Yeah. It, and it was, it was frustrating, but the, the validate... Even after I made it, I looked back so angrily at the movie, and it was also that feeling where you're just like, I don't know what I made, I don't know how good what I made was. But I remember one of them, I, w- I, w- I was saying to them, 
I was like, you know, this isn't unprecedented what's happening. Because they were, as you were saying, they're like, no movie goes here. Blah, blah, you're, you're crossing a line. And I was like, it's not unprecedented. I was like naming movies. Of course, I don't fucking watch movies. So I don't know what these movies are. But one of them I was watching was this movie called Climax, which is by this um, this really controversial um, French uh, horror director named Gaspar Noé. And it was his movie that he made like two years before uh, Some Visitors. And I was like, they did it in Climax. And everyone's like, I don't know what that is. Blah, blah. And so it, it was so frustrating. But then the ultimate like value validation was uh we did this movie in the spring of 2021 we got done in the winter and it was that that feeling that's like okay it's done but i want to hit these specific festivals that are bigger festivals and they don't play until like four months so it was like that period where your movie's done but the festivals you're aiming for don't play for a while but the first one was panic fest in kansas city which is a festival i absolutely love and they, um, it was the first one I went for, and they accepted it. And then not only did they accept it, but they put it on a double bill with Gaspar Noé's new movie. So he had a new movie uh, that came out called Lux Eterna, uh, which is a masterpiece. And they played it on a double bill. And it was like a feeling of not only being accepted into a they pretty huge um, horror festival, but how they booked me too. When that happened, that was that feeling like, like I... I I did. I stuck to my guns and I and I won. <laughs> so no, that's that's yeah. Well, you you're you're usually right. You know yeah. your feelings, mm-hmm. your gut feelings, mm-hmm. your 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 intuitions, whatever you want to call them. I I think you're the same way, Greg. Uh, usually, well, it's it's the call you have to make is usually right. Yeah, I no, I agree. <clears throat> I had a similar situation, and it was something much much more innocent than than killing a baby, mm-hmm. and I I had. <laughs> It really was. No, I, I, I put killing the baby up there as pretty bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> but let's get real. Not actually killing a baby. No, right. no, 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 no. babies were harmed during the No, we disclaimed that. The Don't kill babies, act, kids. The baby actor was one of the actresses' uh, kid, and there's like videos of me like carrying the baby around and playing with the baby. Yeah. <laughs> so. All you have to do is have a you yeah. know whatever it, behind the scenes reel. What I was saying. <laughs> yeah. So I had a similar situation, and people were were going to revolt. If I wanted to do something my way, and unlike you, I caved. Oh well, yeah, well is there, do you know what it was, or can you say what it is? I, it, it was so. It was a forty-eight hour film of all Stay things. Stay tuned for episode Jeez. forty. Pretentious <laughs> <laughs> about that. And it was basically a a movie about two brothers making some cheesy, shitty exploitation film, and we just needed a a, a filler background scene, and it was uh, like. Because it, it was like nuns versus Nazis. It's 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 actually not a bad. Is that the Beyond uh, Brothers? The Beyond Brothers. It's not a bad little <laughs> little short film. Yeah. But I I said okay, well we need like the the background people to be doing something. So let's just have someone riding a zombie like a horse and bashing it in the head with a shovel. Yeah. Just in the background, and people were throwing a fit, <laughs> like oh we can't do that. And finally I was like all right fuck it and we'll come up with something else because yeah. it was a whole ordeal. So I can only imagine the shit you went through two days before the shoot yeah, it was it was frustrating and i can't believe they revolted but i mean i i don't know if that's just a thing here or what but i don't know why people are just like so like um see they forget about going it's just a paycheck at that point yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. where's all these people just collected paychecks yeah. now they care about the project yeah, <laughs> now they're like worried about putting something that's gonna whatever i don't know it, it was like really frustrating and that's that kind of thing too where it, it just really helps if people you work with no film because what they think of one thing is because all they watch is like 
fucking TV and, and, and something like that. So if, if they actually like watch like films, they would see that like the, 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 the places you're trying to go aren't quite as unprecedented as they think they are. Yeah, and I saw the movie and it's and it's not it's very tastefully done. Yeah, we tastefully killed that baby. Yeah, tastefully killed that baby. You nailed it. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's it's not you know. It's, I mean, it's graphic, but it's not yeah. like it's it it really is. The, the actual process of it too, of actually killing the baby, is what you see is Jackie's uh, hand goes on the baby's head and snaps the neck. So how he did it was, we, you know, we, we did that fake space where, you know, we're throwing punches or whatever. If you film it from behind, you can fake it. It looks like contact. And we did that where Jackie uh, went to the baby's face right here, but was like this far away. And all she did was just turn her hand like this several times. The baby's got no idea what's going on. It was just like watching the hands. Nice. Like, and then I, um, then my uh, FX guy said to take the baby and then just turn like this, and he's like, I'll put it together and post. So that's what I did. So I take this baby, and I'm like turning, and the baby's laughing while I do it, do it. And then I picked the baby up and like held it, and it was just like, the baby has no idea and thought it was just like this fun little ride. And then it comes together and post, and then you see it snap. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I love the shock value. Yeah. I love the, we talked about that when we were building kind of our platform and our, our what we were going to try to do is yeah. you need that shock thing. What's that movie where the guy gets his teeth busted out on the curve? American, American history. history. Exactly, yeah. right? I'm still talking about that yeah. scene, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That hurt my teeth. Yeah. I don't care who you are or what you did. Yeah. That that kick to the head when mm-hmm. doing that thing. Yeah. That hurt. Yeah. But I remember it. You that's a that's a scene and and you took the risk. Yeah. I think it paid off. Yeah, I think so too. And especially if you're rooting for her too. It's like, oh, you're rooting for her. Besides the fact, okay, yes, yeah. it's violent, it's yeah. it shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't but that's the part of the movie that you're trying to get across yeah. the entire thing. If that doesn't happen, it doesn't make her as evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. talk about. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Let's let's uh, let's wrap up with what you got going on okay, sure, coming sure. up. Yeah. So, so um, I have a feature. Oh, one quick thing. Also, yeah, no, your time, buddy. Is I started my own film festival with uh, some visitors because it was just such a hard experience making it. I was like, I wanted to play under my terms, so I created my own. Um, film festival for it called Hysteria Fest, which first played in 2022. And it was really just supposed to be for me to play my own movie. But then when I was doing the festival run, I kept like meeting these filmmakers and watching these movies. And I would just be like, hey, can your movie play with mine? Can your movie play with mine? Sweet. And then at the end, we realized we had a festival. We played at Arcaden, which is um, you know a theater over in Bevo Mill, which is kind of close to here. And we played there. It sold out. And then I was like, well, let's do it again next year. So we did it this year too. This year, just the festival, not, no movie. I was just a curator. And so we're doing that again this year in June. So, so Hysteria Fest is just like this accidental horror festival that I created because of the response of some visitors. And I wanted a protective way to play it here in St. Louis. <laughs> did we get an act right We I, submit? I don't know. You guys submit it. We submit it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Are you going to announce anything here today, Paul? <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess we'll find out. You, you'll, you'll find out. Sorry, but, buddy. No, you, you'll find out. But um, just for any like local, Local uh, St. Louis filmmakers, if it's a St. Louis movie, there's a really good chance. I, I have a bunch of films right now that are sitting there. I, I haven't had a chance to watch them, but I know they're St. Louis filmmakers. We're trying to get as many in as we can because I want to make a change in the St. Louis film scene, and I and, and I want to make a, a a place where people come out and they meet each other, and it's it's a situation where, you know. 
I, I just want like an atmosphere that protects filmmakers and they don't have to deal with the shit that we deal with. So it's a situation that we're going to get as many St. Louis films in as we can. But uh, yeah, so I, I started that and then I'm making this new film. We just announced recently it's a feature film. It's called Ripper to Shreds, okay. which I know has a very aggressive title, but it's actually not a horror movie. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a film about a filmmaker and the filmmakers played by Jackie. And this is, I mean, this is probably like the ultimate indie film sucks film because it is a movie about a filmmaker who is just so discouraged with filmmaking and she's, she's so discouraged with the direction of film and she hates her new film. She hates being like bombarded over by crew and producers. And at the same time, she has a, um, a relationship with a boyfriend that she loves, but her sex life is not very fulfilling. And so what she does is to get a, a break from both the sort of like sanitized state of filmmaking today and from this relationship that she's not sexually satisfied in is she convinces him to open the relationship so she can explore the world of kink. So that is the story. And it's a film that we're essentially trying to do with sex, what we did with violence and some visitors. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to use it. We're going to make it, um, we're, we're going to make it like very like in your face. It's not going to be like necessarily salacious, but it's going to be a very like honest film about, about if we can pull it off, it's going to be an honest film about filmmaking today, about sex today and about living in a social media world and how that affects both everything. of those everything nice and, and, and you know you know my experience being a, a film you know lover and critic and historian the waves of what's happening in this any sort of like sexual revolution or sexual repression will affect filmmaking so in, in the 60s and early 70s you were getting a lot more like sexually open free love films but then in the 80s where things got more repressed you got a lot more repression in films and i feel like I mean, I think there's a sexual repression going on through society, and I think it's really affecting film. There's a, a critic uh, who said that films today are like Instagram, where everybody looks really good, but nobody's fucking in them. And I feel like, <laughs> and I feel like that's true. And so it, it, it's a film that has these two threads, but if we can pull it off, those two threads will rhyme with each other, and they will both kind of no, I'm excited to see Jackie in something outside of what she's known for right getting a great yeah. reputation in, in the genre for, yeah. for horror and you know the scream fest and all that kind of stuff yeah so I'm excited for that mm -hmm. so good kudos for you yeah for no, writing something that she's excited about getting in that it sounds like it's got a lot of character and depth and yeah it, it, it does. It, it's a lot of like naturalism with the acting too. It's it's a situation where I'm just like I'm trying to write things that don't always just sound rigid and you know when, when i write some visitors everything they say has to carry a detail along and i'm like i'm trying to write things that's more just like banter more naturalism and i can hear i can hear like a french theme or something right <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like kind of shot in the shadow i'm trying not to get too black and white <laughs> yeah. i do i just see this being yeah. kind of a you know one of those yeah. cult classic films where and, and she's gonna be great in it and then uh, to really help with that too her boyfriend is this local actor named larry clauden who's more in that style of like i guess more natural acting uh he's got an improv uh sketch comedy background so he will also kind of be leading that direction okay 
the film goes in. So, and that's, so, um, that's and, and when when do you think and where, where are you at in the in the, in the process? We, we have it. Uh, we're in pre production right now, and we're looking to uh, shoot in April May this year. Yeah, launch. You found it yourself launching anything on this, or what are you doing? Well, oh yeah, so we're going to. What we're saying is that the movie's going to happen no matter what, but we're going to launch an Indiegogo actually on my birthday, which is in a couple of weeks on nice. February seventh. We're going to launch an Indiegogo, and um, I'll put it all over my socials. And if anybody can give any money, uh, we would just really appreciate it. It would just help with the burden of the film. It would help, you know, a lot of the actors and crew, they've already agreed to do the film at a very, very reduced rate, sometimes no rate. Um, but, you know, if they can, if they can, anybody can donate, it at least helps me pay them a little bit more so I don't feel terrible about that. So, but no matter what, the film's going to happen. No, and when we see it, we'll, we'll, we'll push it along from okay. our yep. side. Awesome. And these, the timing of this, we'll make sure that we mention it again. Sure. That you got, we try to, Sometimes we mention, you know, what people got going on. Yeah, we, try we, to. We had a nice run of people that were putting out films and different things. So we'll That's try awesome. to we'll try to make sure we watch social media to try to pump some of the things you're doing as well with with who we got our hundred and one subscribers. That's right, baby. <laughs> Tell one person. Hey, each one gets ten dollars. ten dollars. that's that's all I'm saying too, man. Yeah. Paul, man, I really appreciate it, man. I yeah, never met you before. Yeah, it was it was great hearing your story and, and meeting you. Wish you all the success. You Absolutely. know, hopefully the St. Louis community became a little smaller today. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. <laughs> so, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, it's not a problem. So we covered a lot today, we Greg. Did. And we're looking forward. Hang on, we're looking forward to uh, Hysteria Fest. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I don't want to say we need more festivals in St. Louis. Yeah. We, we absolutely need more festivals. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's technically a horror festival, but I'm telling anyone in St. Louis, if you do anything that's just remotely horror adjacent, anything transgressive, anything that pushes the envelope, if you send me something and it doesn't fit, I'll just be like, it doesn't fit, but I'll give your money back. <laughs> so, so like, That's honest. Yeah. That's, that's beyond that's a, honest. Yeah. I've never had yeah. that happen yeah. at any festival. Now, if you send me something that fits but it sucks you're not getting your money back <laughs> what are the dates of the festival and is it a weekend uh yeah th- I know it's gonna be uh yeah thursday through a um uh sunday and okay. it's the last weekend of june so i think it's the 26th or the 30th but the, yeah the last weekend of june we're playing it great man that yeah. is that is completely awesome so you'll have a film coming out probably by then yeah or already out it'll maybe. be in the can my, my goal is to shoot it and then take two months of a break and work on the festival and then when the festival's over i'll get to post with the yeah because you're really not timing it out for halloween no yeah. That for oh, that no, not, yeah, 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 yeah. Not for this, awesome. yeah. Awesome, man. That yeah. is awesome. We covered a lot tonight, Greg. You know what else is awesome? <laughs> What's awesome? When we talk about the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking <laughs> on the Any Film Sucks podcast brought to you by 88mm Productions. It's on whatever crap that people look Find at. Find it. Tell one person. Listen to one episode. Subscribe. Like. You know, whatever. Exactly. Send money. Yes. Send cocaine. Go whatever. find Paul on IMDb, Facebook, and <laughs> yeah. check out some of his stuff. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. Follow me everywhere, and I'll follow you back. Awesome. Good night. Peace. Love you, Mom. Indie film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast. Yeah.